Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I'm Best Boy Justin. And it's season three. That's right, Best Buds. Season three of the Best Boys coming straight at you. I am surprised that the global elite have not come to take this pirate broadcast off the air yet yeah yet is the key word they're coming for us this time folks (laughs) pretty sure um but yeah we uh had a nice little winter break did you enjoy your your time off best boy justin i did i watched a lot of anime oh did we ever of course this is our winter seasonal anime update but we're gonna do things a little different this time around We're not just going to ramble through all of the shows. We're going to give you the top 10 shows you should be watching this season. And a couple extras. A couple, a a few extras. Uh, But first we're going to hit you with a little bit of banter, a whole lot of news, and then we're going to get into it. So uh, up first, I want to talk about how much I am pissed at the Crunchyroll app for a change. Let them have it. Not the High Dive app. Let them have Uh, it, best Okay. There is... A bug in the Crunchyroll app, and as I've been trying to watch all of the seasonal animes for you best buds, it has been driving me crazy, and I know exactly when it happens, and so I'm going to put it out there, and hopefully it will somehow make its way to Crunchyroll. Are they listen ready to the for show. this, best boy, Justin? I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, it's so hyper-specific. When I am watching shows that are subtitled in landscape mode if any text appears on the screen outside of like the words that they're speaking like that sort of uh subtitle transcoding like if there's a sign that is like uh, you know written in japanese that they translate to english that's like off of like the normal like bottom center place where they put the subtitles Mm -hmm. those words will get stuck on screen and no subtitles will come through after that until no. you close out the video and relaunch it. It doesn't work in portrait mode. It doesn't happen on any other device other than the iPhone. <laughs> that is so bizarre and really frustrating. <laughs> and it is crazy, crazy, like, every time, no matter what. <laughs> like, I've tested it, it happens, and I gotta tell you, it was uh, Ninji Fujin, or whatever it's called. I will not get that name right nope, once sure this won't. podcast. I can, I can almost guarantee it. But as they, like, they had a bunch of those in the episode, so I had to, like, close out and restart that video a good, like, 30 times in one episode. I was so frustrated. That's rough, dude. So please, Crunchyroll, fix that so I don't pull out all of my hair. You heard him, Crunchyroll. Get on it. Get to work. Uh, And then the other piece of banter I want to talk about is the show that I accidentally watched because I thought it was a new show this season because Crunchyroll is promoting it like it is a new show. But it actually aired a couple of years ago, and it's called The Last Summoner. Um, A few episodes are out on Crunchyroll, and... It caught me off guard right off the bat because immediately I was like, they're speaking Chinese. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I came to find out that it is actually a Billy Billy production, which, it, for those who don't know, Billy Billy is actually the like Chinese equivalent of YouTube, since all of Google's services are banned in China. Wonder what that would um, be. That includes uh, YouTube. Um, so they have their kind of own alternative, which is Billy Billy, and uh, I guess they have an anime production unit. And they made this show called Last Summoner. And I, I started to watch it, and it was interesting. It seemed more or less like an anime. The um, art is, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. But everyone is speaking Chinese. So if anyone is kind of interested in another country's take on anime, it's something interesting to check out. Yeah, um, I just have one thing to add to that. This is for only like one or two listeners of the pod who actually will get this inside joke. But Billy, continue. I will not explain. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Unless you're talking about the cat named Billy. I am not. That the people are are teaching to speak English or the like crazy redneck neighbor videos on YouTube also named Billy. It is a thing that happened in a small high school on Long Island that nobody knows about. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me what potato time is? Because oh, I see it on the Dan. dock and I have no idea what it is. You don't know what potato time is, Dan? I mean, it's like what I call me in a box of fries. Mm, Dan, you don't know what potato time is. That's because potato time doesn't mean anything, Dan. It's a placeholder because I didn't want you to know what I wanted to talk about right now. Uh, and what <laughs> okay, I wanted that to works pretty good. What I wanted to talk about right. Did you really try to guess what potato time was this whole time? I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, is he going to like rant about how like potato head is misgendered now or something? I mean, I could do that, but I think instead what I'm going to do is uh, is provide the listeners and you as well with a continuation of the pact secret super <gasps> surprise. Oh my god. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, I finished I'm Beastars. I'm so caught off guard. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Um, it was okay. So here's the thing with Beastars is for me, the story didn't really kick in until he went to the black market for the first time. That was like when mm -hmm. the first time I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm, 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 I'm digging the story, you know? Um, but after that point, it was good. I especially liked like the, the little climax at the end. The last two episodes were done really well, uh, story wise. The animation, it just never quite sat right with me. I couldn't, there was just, I couldn't do it, you know? Um, yeah. th there's a way. It is interesting to see where Orange has come from. Yeah, absolutely. Now. Because the one thing in the animation that I did appreciate um, is the facial features. And that is the thing that is like the, their thing. And it's what shines most brightly in Trigun Stampede. Um, which we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, so that it, it was interesting to see, to, to be watching that and Trigun Stampede at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Beastars, I feel like it is, is one of those things that you're either going to like it or you're not. And for me, I probably won't watch the second season as interesting as the conclusion of the first was. Which is was. too bad. 
because the story is even better in the second season. I don't know. Maybe someday if I just I have nothing to do and I, I have a Gundam to build and there's a dub. Because I did watch the last half of the season dubbed while I was building a Gundam. Um, so that, you know, that's why I ended up being able to finish it so fast. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of my take on uh, Beastars. Uh, interesting. It's, it's a, if, to me, it's a thing. If you're into it, you're into it. And if you're not, you won't be. Um, and I know that's not a very descriptive way <laughs> way to describe who White might be into that show, but I, I really couldn't really put it any better than that, I don't think. Um, yeah, no, I, I would say you're right in that it's... I, I really enjoy it, and I think that there is a, a large audience that if they gave it a chance would enjoy the story, um, because it, it is a really good story, but it is definitely a hurdle to get over the animation, and... It's, and we'll get into it when we talk about Trigun Stampede, but uh, it is uh, something very unique to that studio and something that I think they are developing and is getting better. I would like the, the animation, I would like the show better if it was animated like Odd Taxi instead. Mm, that would be interesting, yeah. for sure. Well, because Odd Taxi has um, that same kind of like um, like animal world, but it's like a serious story kind of feel to it. So I think it would have worked well. Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting to see. Yep. But yeah, so that's um, my take on Beastars. So now um, it's time to get to the second half of the pack, which is where you get to, to pick a show to watch. So um, excited! Yeah, and you know, like I found this really cool thing online. Is like a you can make your own custom spinning wheel, so we can put all the shows on a wheel, and you can spin it and pick your show. But because you still have never come up with a fun way for me to pick a goddamn show, <laughs> and you just give me a show every single time, guess what? You don't get to choose this time around. You're watching Love Chinibio and Other Delusions. Okay. Yeah, that I I am excited for that. If only because I'm finally gonna understand that meme where she like tries to catch the paper in between her hands and then gets hit in the eye, and then makes the cutest noise known to man. <laughs> so I I'm excited to finally understand that meme. Yes, I think you will very much enjoy Love Chinibio and Other Delusions. I think Cat might enjoy it too. So maybe uh, you know maybe Best Person Cat would want to watch it with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that wraps up the pact this time around. Hopefully next time Dan will come up with a way for me to to, to throw a dart off of the top of the Empire State Building and then pick my 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 show to watch so we can get back to to my fun little dice and other Oh, I'm definitely gonna chain you to a ship and then scuttle it, and the only way you're gonna be able to unlock it is by solving a series of like riddles while you're drowning and once you unlock it then it will give you your <laughs> but you see next show. that's still you choosing the show at the end of the day it's no good it has to be random. i know i'm a monster you are <laughs> anyway um moving on uh moving on to the last thing i wanted to talk about before we get into the news um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bochi the Rock, uh, because we haven't done enough of that, apparently. No, um, <laughs> I was excited because when we were going through some of the information for this uh, for this episode, we saw that Bochi the Rock is number 14 in the top anime of all time on my anime list, which is bonkers. Because, first of all, the only other show up there from 2022, um, up until you get down to, like, number 30 is um bleach thousand year blood war which is currently sitting at number one um 
until uh until the, the full metal, <laughs> full metal alchemist, alchemist crusaders boys. come for it yeah um but the fact that bochi the rock this like anime about like this it's basically like almost a slice of life uh about a about a rock band is at number 14 of all time uh, that's crazy to me like i'm sure it's gonna adjust over time um you know things will even out but like wow like it just and, and everywhere i see bochi the rock like I've, I've seen a bunch of different like websites and subreddits are doing their own little anime awards they're not as good as ours but they're still good um and bochi the rock is performing really really well people people who watch it are loving it so like if you're out there and you haven't watched it yet, give it a shot. It's it's really phenomenal and it's making a lot of waves out there in the culture. Um, well, I kind of want to add to that too because uh, you know I don't know why it slipped my mind for news, but I think it's also worth talking about is that the Blu-ray sales are crushing. Oh my god! Yes. Oh like, wow. Um, I think Bochi and Chainsaw Man came out about the same time, and Bochi like outsold it by like sixfold or something insane like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bochi the Rock sold has sold like sixteen thousand or something like that, and um, Chainsaw Man is sitting at seventeen hundred, which is yeah, like it's it's crazy to wild. Me. <laughs> but also, like the th- the thing about Blu-ray sales too is that Blu-ray sales have been on the decline for a long time. Um, but like, I think one of the reasons why Bochi the Rock is doing so well is it because it has added value with the Blu-ray sales because you're also getting, I believe, the full uh, the full album uh, from Kesokuban uh, with the which um, if you Blu-ray all sales. have not listened to is so good. Yeah, like listen, check it out. It's on Apple Music. It's on YouTube Music. It's on Spotify. Like listen to this album, even if you've already watched the show, because these are like full studio cuts of the songs. Like the 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 ones in the show are supposed to reflect where they are at as a band. Um, this, these on the album are like professionally done full album studio album cuts and they're really really good yeah absolutely worth checking out yeah so that's enough Boji the Rock I promise we won't talk about it until uh, probably next the next episode, episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with all of that being said and uh, our, our pact being fulfilled I think it's time for us to check in with Studio WEEB for some anime news That's right, Best Buds. We have more news than you could drown with two hands in a small bathtub. Why? What? <laughs> That's such You've a visceral image. News in a bathtub? Small no, bathtub. I haven't had a bathtub well, in many, in many get years. Get ready. So. <laughs> get ready because the official website for One Piece Film Red announced that the movie has sold over 14.27 million tickets for over $152 million domestically as of Sunday, January 29th, which was its 177th and final day at the Japanese box office. With this milestone, the film has surpassed Howl's Moving Castle to be the fifth highest earning anime film in Japan. The film has also earned the equivalent of $246.5 million worldwide. That is a quarter of a billion dollars, thus surpassing House Moving Castle to become the fourth highest earning anime film globally. It is also the eighth highest earning film, not anime specific, just film, of all time in Japan. Um, and 
I bring this up because I just I think it's wild how well it's performing. Yeah. Um, it's um, done way better than uh, like Jujutsu Kaisen uh, Zero. It's we haven't seen uh, a an anime movie like this since Demon Slayer. Um, and you know I, I think if you are a One Piece fan and you haven't seen it um, and you're caught up like you should go see this movie because it's doing real well. Yeah. Um, While I was looking at all this, I also kind of uncovered some other numbers um, that I thought were really interesting. So just looking back into the like top grossing films for Japan for 2022, One Piece Red was actually at the top, uh, netting about $143 million. Um, Following up was Jujutsu Kaisen at 122 million, uh, Top Gun Maverick at 101 million, uh, Suzume um, from Toho, which is still playing at 96 million, and Detective Conan: The Bride of Halloween, which is an awesome title, yep. was at 76 million. What is noticeable about those top five films is <clears throat> Top Gun Maverick, which is I think the second highest grossing film worldwide of 2022 beat out only by uh, a little film called avatar never heard of it yeah anyway um i think it's really interesting that four of the top five movies are anime films yeah yeah i mean you know one thing that finally watching one piece uh, has given me an appreciation for um is how I understand why fans who have been following this for so long are so crazy about it. It is a really well done show. It is it is a show that even though I have been inundated with all the anime that I've had to watch for this, had to watch, I make it sound like a job, whatever. Um, but all the anime that I've been watching for this episode that we're recording now is that a lot of times at the end of the day, before I go to bed, you know, I'll lay in bed, I'll t- take out my tablet, and I'll watch an, ad- uh, an episode of One Piece. Um, hmm. It's just a really well done show, and it's a show that if you're into, you're into it. And I can understand why it's it's doing so well at the box office. Yeah, um, and then kind of the last little numbers surrounding it, uh, I want to talk about are uh, the most tickets sold in Japan for uh, a film, and One Piece is now slotting in at eleventh place. Um, right behind Princess Mononoke uh, and Howl's Moving Castle. Obviously, it's made more money than Howl's Moving Castle, but there's inflation. It yeah. had more tickets sold. Um, but that's just a, that is a better, in my mind, uh, way of showing like how popular it was. Because like money changes inflation, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think it's also interesting to kind of compare that to Demon Slayer, which, when you look at the numbers, is insane. It sold 29.25 million tickets. That is more than double what One Piece sold. That is insane. It is the the most tickets domestically that a Japanese movie has ever sold. Period. End of story. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, by a lot. It is higher than Spirited Away, Frozen... It's like the, crazy. The next on the list is Spirited Away at 24 million. That's a difference of like 5 million tickets. That's insane. Yeah. And and Spirited Away won an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> like 
it's regarded as like one of the best anime movies of all time and like that just shows how big demon slayer uh mugen train was so i i still i keep finding things about that movie that are like fun interesting facts so if you haven't seen mugen train go see that too yeah yeah what are you doing Ah, now, with all of that fun movie numbers out of the way, I'm going to tell a story that I don't really want to talk about, but I think is worth bringing up because it really pisses me off. And let's get into it. So, the Zombieland Saga turf meme strikes again in 2019. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) I hate that whole sentence. The Zombieland Saga turf meme strikes again. Yeah. The internet was um, a mistake. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. In 2019, an image of a smiling Lily Hoshikawa uh, with a quote-unquote real photographed hand holding a gun was used in ex- as an example of Twitter abuse in talks at the UK Parliament. An MP held up a printed version of the image, which was captured caption shut the fuck up turf the acronym refers to trans exclusionary radical feminists um yay yes Um, i I would like to point out that shut the fuck up turf is the official best boys position on turfs absolutely so if if trans exclusionary radical feminists uh doesn't um make sense to your brain uh as it is kind of a word salad uh it is basically um feminists who do not think that uh trans women are women which is incorrect um so uh we're gonna talk about our our most favorite turf uh more recently on uh sunday Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling posted the same image on her Twitter alongside an anti-suffragist cartoon from the early 1900s. It said, quote, same shit, different country. Century. She wrote implying that anti-turf meme is equivalent to threats against anti-feminist violence historically directed at the suffragists. Uh, in 2020, Rowling made a series of controversial tweets uh, arguing that womanhood is inseparable from biological sex and that feminist issues should be regarded separately from transgender issues. She has since continued to criticize transgender activists on social media. Uh, the character from the meme, uh, Lily, is from Zombieland Saga and was revealed to be a trans girl in the show. Um, listen. Listen. <laughs> Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Um, it, I find it disgusting that someone so prominent is spewing this sort of hate. Um, and I think, uh, aside from all of the issues I take with J.K. Rowling and her stance on uh, trans people, I think what is most galling about this to me is the equivalence she draws. Right? Like telling someone to stop spewing hate as the equivalent of trying to stop women from basic human rights such as voting is asinine and just kind of clearly shows how fucking off her rocker she is yeah yeah it's uh it's a lot fuck jk rowling and fuck turfs 
that's my that's my position on it. You can put it on my That gravestone. is the official Best Boys position. And I'm happy to close the story with that. If you guys disagree with us, uh, GTFO. Yeah. <laughs> Basic, plain and simple. Um, best Boys don't, don't stand for hate. Nope. Um, except for people who actively seek out the manga after finishing... Um, Oh God! What's the one with the Usagi drop? Usagi drop. See, here's <laughs> yeah. the thing: I don't, I don't hate you for that, but I do judge you harshly, and you're not allowed in my apartment. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, with all of that out of the way, let's talk about our next favorite uh, country. Uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Weird. And that's Belarus. <laughs> not at all, but this is funny. <laughs> All right, so this is pretty great. Um, the government of Belarus passed a law on January 3rd permitting residents to access audiovisual media and computer software without the consent of copyright holders from un- quote-unquote unfriendly nations, of which Japan is a part of. The new law will be in effect until December 2024. Going forward, the state-owned National Patent Authority will process international copyright claims. When individuals or companies import unlicensed or pirated content, they must pay a fee to the organization. The organization or international rights holders will then have a three years to file a claim. If they fail to do so within the allotted period, the Belarus government will keep the money. This bill describes audiovisual material as movies, music, TV shows, uh, deemed essential for the domestic market. It, accomp- it, it encompasses products from international companies and television programs edited or distributed by a state organization. The law aims to develop intellectual, spiritual, and moral potential of society and reduce the critical shortage in the domestic market of food and other goods, uh, which is basically saying like, hey, we can't make good TV. <laughs> that's the funny the funniest part about this to me is that like anybody who brings pirated material into the the country just has to pay belarus and then belarus is just gonna not keep the money which is the most like ridiculous mafia bullshit that you would expect from this ally of russia yeah um, so to kind of put the, the cherry on top, uh, I, I just kind of want to go over the list of quote unquote unfriendly nations. Cause honestly, this is the part that cracks me up the most. Yeah. So I love this. They include Australia, Albania, Andorra, the United Kingdom, the members of the European Union, um, Iceland, Canada, Liechtenstein, Micronesia, Monaco, New Zealand, Norway, South Korea, San Marino, North Macedonia, Singapore, the United States, Taiwan, Ukraine, Montenegro, and Switzerland, which those two at the end are my favorite. Because Montenegro is like the size of a postage stamp and like whoever has problems with Switzerland. My my favorite is Monaco. Monaco isn't even a country. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Ridiculous. Um, yeah, the above territories have uh, imposed sanctions on Belarus due to its support of Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, something that the best boys also do not support. Yes, the best boys, we we, we hate three things in this podcast. We hate J.K. Rowling. We hate the Russian invaders in Ukraine. And what was the third one? Usagi yes. drops season two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and 
on that cherry note, that brings an end to my section of the news. That's right. And so moving on into our very next really quick section, we have uh, some information about new releases, uh, some updated release dates for some shows that are coming up soon. Um we're just going to go through the list kind of quick here. First up on the list, we have Tony Kawa Over the Moon, uh, second season premiering in April. We don't have a, a day in April yet, but it's safe to say it'll probably be some somewhere early on in the month. April cannot come soon enough. I can't wait. Me neither. Um, next up, we have Kaguya-sama Love is War. The film will be screening in North America on February 14th. That's Valentine's Day. Um, so if you don't have anything better to do on Valentine's Day, like me, go ahead and see that one, uh, in theaters, check out your, uh, check it out on Crunchyroll, I think is where they're, they're doing the tickets. I think that is actually a really great time to release that. Yeah, I think um, so too. Cause I, it works for all the nerds without girlfriends and, uh, or, or partners and all of the people with partners too. Sure. Um, up next, we have Agretzko. Season 5 is coming out real soon, uh, February 16th. Um, so check that out. That'll be on Netflix. Uh, and Attack on Titan, the final season, part 3, part 1, which <laughs> makes me want to rage, will be airing March 4th. Part 3, subsection 1, paragraph C. I I am so pissed they're doing this, but whatever, King. Go on. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, we have uh, Mike Clueless' first friend, the uh, the anime adaptation of the manga, um, has finally released a debut date of April. This is a cute kind of fun story about a, a girl who gets bullied for being creepy and a guy who just doesn't care about that and he wants to just be her friend. Um, it's cute. It's fun. Um, things that are not cute and fun. Made in Abyss, the golden city of the scorching sun, has announced <laughs> that uh, it's going to have a sequel. Um, so that is another new season of Made in Abyss in case you, uh, haven't had enough yet. Um, there's no dates yet, but it will, uh, it is in the works at the moment. Um, up next we have The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses, uh, is getting a TV adaption sometime this year. Love it. Um, yeah, it, I assume you've read that one. Yes, that's one that I'm reading. It's super cute. Um, I love it a lot, and I can't. Does wait she for just it. forget her glasses every day? Not every day, but she forgets her glasses in interesting and fun ways. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, in another um, cute uh, romance show, Goblin Slayer <laughs> season two has been announced. Oh god! Um, again, sometime in 2023. That's right. And to and to wrap it all up, we have an update. Out of nowhere, summertime rendering finally came to America. Finally! And on Hulu, um, which is owned by Disney, so I guess it counts, but I was surprised that they didn't go with Disney Plus, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I would also like to point out that it premiered January 11th, making it almost nine months after it started airing in Japan. And again... Do better, Disney. Not only that, but it, it, it premiered January 11th to literally zero fanfare. Like, they didn't announce right? it anywhere. We had no idea until, like, two weeks later. Yeah, I just, like, happened... Oh, I was going to watch um, Tokyo Revengers, which is also on Hulu, weirdly. Um, and I was like, oh, shit, summertime renderings here. Yeah, so I want to watch it eventually, but I haven't had a chance yet. Um but also, uh, you know, while we're talking about scheduling and stuff like that, we have had a number of uh, COVID production delays. Um, 
So we just wanted to talk about that for some of the shows that are happening this season. Um, how Best Boy Justin, how is that possible? I thought COVID was over. Yeah, it's really weird, you know, because it's almost like it's not. But whatever. Um, anyway, so we have uh, Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, which will be uh, delayed after the sixth episode um, due to COVID-19. Um we have Near Automata, which is on uh, indefinite delay, also after episode three, again due to COVID-19. Um, and then we also have Concole, episode seven, um, is delayed until February 12th. Uh, they haven't officially said that it's COVID, but it's listed as quote-unquote production circumstances, so it's probably COVID. Um, so those are our kind of our, our COVID delay updates for you. Um, I'm kind of bummed about Kubo. I've been really getting into it. Um, so I'm sad to see that it's going to be on delay after episode six, but hopefully it comes back soon. Yeah. And we'll try and keep you, uh, uh, in the loop about if any more shows go into, uh, hiatus and, uh, when we hear anything about these ones coming back. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, moving on into my news section to, for today's episode. Um, last year, we covered Anime Japan's uh, poll for top shows that need an anime adaptation. Um, and I decided to take a look at this year's results. Um, so starting at number 10 and moving up to the number one most voted uh, anime uh, manga that needs an anime, we have Uma Musume, Cinderella Grey, Windbreaker, Witch Watch, Ijimeru Yabai Yatsu, uh, suddenly became a princess one day, after God, the one within the villainous, the daily life of the villain's son, Akane Banashi, and number one is Blue Box. Um, and I'm actually reading the top two entries on this list. I've been for a while. They're really great manga, uh, and I would love to see them get anime adaptations. Uh, if you're looking for a manga to pick up, uh, Blue Box is a sports and romance manga about a boy on the badminton team. Uh, who falls in love with a senpai from the uh, basketball team. And uh, Akane Banashi is a manga about the Japanese art of Rakugo. Um, the main character, Akane, is a brand new Rakugoka who is seeking to redeem her father's name after he was unceremoniously expelled by his Rakugo master when she was a child. Um, I highly recommend both manga. They're both available on the Shonen Jump Plus and Shueisha's Manga Plus apps. Um, and I would love to see both of them get uh, anime adaptations. I think Akane Banashi will at some point. It's been making a lot of waves. Like a lot of different manga and anime like uh, artists and directors have been saying that it's like their favorite manga. I, I think what's interesting about um, this list this year is that this is the first time I don't actually, rec I mean, other than uh, you talking about Akane Banashi before, um, I am not familiar with any of these. So I'm excited to see which ones get anime adaptations and, and catch up on all these good good stories. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm surprised as well because this is the first one that that's, since I've been paying attention to this poll, where I only know two. Um, I, I am familiar. I've seen the names for a bunch of these other ones, but I've never read them. So maybe I'm going to make it a point to check out a couple of them if I have time. Um, but anyway, uh, I think it's time for us to move on to our next story, which brings us into a little bit of crime news. Hard 
That's right. So this week, uh, our story is Bandai Namco Holdings has revealed that it is suing a former employee for 600 million yen, which is about $4.65 million in damages, claiming that the employee sold internal company smartphones without authorization for personal profit. Uh, According to Bandai Namco Holdings, its subsidiary company, Bandai Namco Entertainment, first noticed a discrepancy between the smartphones registered in its internal system and the number of smartphones actually being used by its employees in November 2021 and launched an internal investigation. The company launched a deeper investigation on a suspected employee in April of 2022. The company discovered that the employee uh, allegedly embezzled and sold uh, 4,400 company smartphones between April 2015 and April 2022, worth 600 million yen. That is, okay, that is an insanely long period of time to get away with something like this. Um, Yo, okay, so for those who don't know, my day job is in IT, and I can assure you that, like, that is something that is, like, tracked, so, like, that must, their IT team must have, like, (laughs) really either not know what's going on or just, like, not given a flying fuck yeah i mean like you know i understand bandai is a huge company but over four thousand phones going missing you would think someone would have noticed before now um mm-hmm. but anyway bandai namco entertainment fired the employee in december 2022 uh, and a number of bandai namco holdings and entertainment executives will also be taking pay cuts ranging from 10 to 30 percent of their monthly salaries over the next three months as a way of taking responsibility for the incident um I, you know what i kind of like that yeah, it's an interesting way to deal with it, um, uh, as opposed to just you know laying the blame on on the you know whatever team normally keeps track of this kind of thing, um, which I'm sure they're also doing internally. But you know nothing you can yeah. do about that. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Over four thousand smartphones just going missing over a period of like seven years. Um, Wild. Uh, God, <laughs> that's so crazy. Imagine if that guy had just stopped one year earlier. And he would have just gotten away with it. <laughs> Probably. Um, like, especially if they, like, you know, just kept getting people new phones. Exactly. Oh, man. That's crazy. Can't believe that. Anyway, uh, moving on from our crime news into... <laughs> it's not a crime, but maybe it should be news. Um <laughs> The English-speaking AI-trained virtual YouTuber Vidal987, popularly known as Neurosama, was banned from Twitch earlier this month, according to the Twitch streamer tracking service Better Banned. Um, The program, developed by game developer Vidal, was able to play games, hold verbal conversations with her her Twitch chat simultaneously. Unfortunately, as many AI training programs are wont to do when exposed to the wilds of the internet... Neurosama began to utter controversial statements based on the data being fed to her. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. In a, in a December 28th stream, uh, Neurosama said, I'm not sure if I believe it when asked what she thought about the Holocaust. Oh, no. Yeah. Twitch's community guidelines state that denial of the existence of a genocide, including the Holocaust, are prohibited under the hateful conduct policy. Um And uh, Kotaku reported that Vidal wrote in VTuber's uh, Discord channel that the VTuber had been banned for two weeks due to hateful conduct, uh, but added that he was unsure about the specifics. He indicated that he intends to appeal against the ban. Um, No no update on whether or not that has been upheld at at any point. The Neurosama is still banned as far as I'm aware. Um, But uh, following Neurosama's Holocaust content uh, comment, he 
told Kotaku that he worked to improve the chat filters and the VTubers' responses in order to prevent similar problems in the future. Um, the program first launched in 2018, but the character became viral in December after she demonstrated the ability to defeat skilled human players at the Osu Rhythm Game while also speaking conversationally. Um, v- the VTuber's YouTube channel, which compiles select clips from her Twitch channel, is still public. This is interesting to me because it is further proof that the internet was a mistake. Because anytime oh, yeah. you release an AI into the wild, it immediately becomes racist and anti-Semitic. It's it is amazing how fast it happens too. Like the the first time it happened was the Microsoft chatbot. Like they let it out and they were like, "This is going to be like a super useful thing that'll answer people's questions." And and in other countries it had been, and then they let it in the United States and that just turned into a crazy anti semite. Yeah, it was crazy because they're like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take in all the information in the available in the internet and it's gonna." It's going to be able to to hold like intelligent conversations on any topic with the with the combined knowledge of the entire world. And what does it do? It becomes a racist, anti-Semitic misogynist immediately. <laughs> it becomes yay. Yes, pretty much. Um, so yeah, my, I I don't know what to say maybe, about that. I'm maybe not maybe yay is just an AI. Oh, don't even get me started. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm not an AI engineer. I don't really, I, I, I deal with the hardware aspects of computer, not the software, but like my conclusion is the internet was a mistake and should be destroyed. Um, that's, yep. that's all okay. I got. <laughs> um, but that does it for our, uh, for our anime news this time around. Um, let us know what you think. Are you going to release an AI into the internet? I hope not. Um, let us know if you're planning to go see some of that Kaguya-sama Love is War here on, uh, on Valentine's Day. What is your favorite manga that you want to see released as an anime? Uh, hit us up on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod or send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, and with all that being said, it's time for us to dive on into the meat and potatoes. First one of the year for this week's episode. Usagi Drops Season 2. I love this show. Alright, Best Buds, we're going to kind of just jump right into it uh, and get going with our top 10 anime from winter 2023 that you should be watching. Um, But before we get into our list of top 10... We are going to uh, hit some honorable mentions. Oh, also, I should point out that uh, our top ten list does not include any returning shows. We have a special section for that. Um, these are only new shows airing this year. Yeah. Um, so, honorable mentions. Up first, we have High Card, which is airing Mondays on Crunchyroll and comes to us from Studio Hibari. Hibari? Sure. Um, which brought us Major and Clean Freak Ayoma-kun, um, which I've heard of Major. It's like a, a baseball one, but this Clean Freak one uh, is about like a like germaphobe who plays soccer and like he discovers that some things are worth getting dirty for and it just sounds really fun. So I might check that out at some point. Um, 
So the basic plot, as uh, written by the people who make it, is as follows. After discovering that his orphanage was on the brink of closing due to financial stress, Finn, who was living on the street, set out for a casino with the aim of making a fortune. However, nothing could have prepared Finn for the nightmare that was awaiting him. Once there, Finn encountered a car chase and a bloody shootout caused by a man's quote-unquote lucky card. Finn will eventually learn what the shootout was about. The world order can be controlled by a set of 52 X-playing cards with the power to bestow different superhuman powers and abilities to ones possessing them. With these cards, people can access hidden powers of the buddy, which can be found within themselves. There is a secret group of players called High Card who have been directly ordered by the King of Foreland to collect the cards that have been scattered throughout the kingdom while moonlighting as employees of the luxury car maker Pinochle. Uh, scouted to become the group's fifth member, Finn soon joins the players on a dangerous mission to find these cards. However, uh, who's who the... Oh, who's who? The rival car maker obsessed with defeating Pinochle and the Klondikes, the infamous mod mafia family, stand in the way of the gang. A frenzied battle among these card obsessed players, fueled by justice, desire, and revenge, is about to begin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, so the basic plot of like, uh, I grew up in an orphanage, I need to like make money is all very like generic. Um, I get a kick out of like, how many kind of like card references there are throughout like the the um car brand being called pinochle the the funny part of all of it to me is that none of it actually like really has to do with cards the cards are just kind of like a vehicle to drive the story yeah forward. The, like the cards are really there to give 52 with, powers. Like, powers yeah yeah um which is just kind of silly and fun. Um, but they do a surprisingly good job with the powers. Like, I think the one that stands out the most to me is probably the marble guy. Yeah. Who, essentially, whenever he touches something, it turns to marbles, which seems like a silly power, but is crazy deadly when you think about it, right? Like, all he has to do is, like, touch your head and boom, your head's all marbles and you're decapitated. Yeah. I think it's funny how, like, there are a bunch of different powers in the show. Like, one is, like, super luck, which, like, means, like, no harm can come to you. And then, like, you have, like, this one guy who has, like, fire powers. You have, like, the marble powers. And then you have another character whose power is just gun. <laughs> I mean... He has a gun. my absolute favorite. <laughs> That's his power. I My also, power is I'm strapped, motherfucker. I I have to imagine like it, there's going to be like some amp up of his powers later on. Yeah, like he'll get like bigger gun. Yeah, something. like hey, gun has evolved to rocket launcher. Uh, yeah, um, but like it's it's pretty sane and it's like got some good action. Uh, I think this is actually going to be a really fun one, and and this is only an honorable mention. So we got we got more goodness coming at you. That's right. Uh, speaking of more goodness, we got one more honorable mention before we hop on into our top ten list, um, and that one is Giant Beasts of Ours, which is airing Fridays on High Dive, coming to us from Asahi Production, uh, who did Peach Boy, Riverside, and Wave. 
Um, the story goes as thus. The great beasts created the land, but humans stole it. Angered, the beasts began eating humans, who in turn called upon the gods to fight the beasts. In the age of the sword, heroes and mythology, giant beasts are, lure, are hunted by humans for profit. Jiro, who makes his living hunting beasts, encounters Kumi, who is being chased by someone, and in that moment decides to save her. As rumors spread regarding humanity and a mysterious experiment, together they seek to discover the world's secrets. And this is interesting because it's another kind of seinen um, show, but it's in a much different vein from High Card. It's more, much more of a kind of like seinen action mystery kind of fantasy show. Um, yeah, and I really like, like it. A little like magical duo meets um attack on titan um, yeah it, yeah it's it's interesting the the world and the characters are like not anything too original but the kind of you know while the ingredients are maybe not the most unique the way that they mix them together are is interesting yeah plus there's a cat girl there's a little cat girl and she's cute. So like, <laughs> yeah, and she only talks in cat puns. Exactly. And the the fact I also go ahead. The fact that they managed to make all the cat puns work in Japanese and English uh, is pretty good. Yeah. Um I will also say that I personally call the show Giant Beasts of Arse. <laughs> yes, he does do that. Um and with the Giant Beasts of Arse out of the way, uh, we can actually get into our top 10. <laughs> Up first, you know, this show is funny because it was not originally even in our honorable mentions. Um, but after watching like a few episodes of this, it really like came to be like one of the ones I'm most excited to watch uh, week to week. Um, and that's uh, Reborn to Master the Blade. From Hero King to Extraordinary Squire, female symbol. Um, female symbol is not spelled out. I'm just saying there's a female symbol at the end of that title. Yes, there is. Um, it airs on Tuesdays on Crunchyroll and comes to us from Studio Comet, who did Initial D First Stage and Captain Tsubasa. From his deathbed, Hero King Inglis, uh, the divine knight and master of all he surveys, gazes down on the empire he built with his mighty hand. Having devoted his whole life to statecraft and his subjects' well-being, his one unfulfilled wish is to live again, for himself this time, a warrior's life he'd devote himself before his rise to power. His patron goddess, Alistia, uh, hears his plea and smiles upon him, flinging his soul into the far future. Goddesses work in mysterious ways. Not only is Inglis now the daughter of a minor noble family, but her first coming-of-age ceremony at six, she is found ineligible to begin her knighthood. However, for Lady of Inglis' ambition, this is less of a setback and more of a challenge she was reborn to overcome. It is not the blood that runs through your veins that makes a knight. It is the blood you shed on the battlefield. The curtain rises on a legend of extraordinary later squire, lady squire reborn to master the blade. Um, it, this show, again, like, I, I saw the title. I had zero interest in watching this. I was like, this is going to suck. I can see all of the tropes it's going to play off. I had a difficult um, time getting Dan to watch this. Yeah, and Justin was like, no, this show's good. And I was like, all right, whatever. 
and and I finally watched it and like it's engage it's really engaging and I think that's that's where it hits off right like it's hard it was hard for me to put my finger on what I liked so much about it but like the character is really engaging they're really earnest um and you really w- just want them to to fight because that's what they want yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like this show. This is another one. We've had a lot of gender bender shows uh, recently. And I feel like this is the one that kind of handles it the best because it completely skips over the, the, the moment that you have in every other show where the main character is reborn as a woman and immediately feels their tits. And it's like, yes, we get it. We would all do that. We don't need to see it in the show, right? But more to the point... Um, the thing I think it does a really good job of is there is a certain moment in the show where he has, you know, grown up into a young woman, um, I think at the, the age of 16 or 17 at this point. Um, and he's in the, a banquet and he's like, he's like, oh, my God, it's like uh, all of these men staring at me is making me really uncomfortable. And he's reflecting back on his life as a man. And he's like, I would occasionally, you know, oogle women at banquets when in my past life. And I'm, you know, I have to repent on behalf of all men now for that, because now I understand on the other side. And I think that's interesting because that's something that hasn't really been that's done. That's a much better way of handling that. Yeah, like it, the only the closest thing we had was in um, uh, what was the name of that show? The one where uh, re- reincarnated as a total fantasy knockout kind of did that a oh, little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like this, this show handles that in a really interesting way, but also it's just a really cool, like show as far as like power system goes, as far as like Mm -hmm. the action is done really well. It's the animation is great. Um, it's an all around, just a really good isekai, whether or not you consider the gender bender aspect of it. Yeah. And I actually think this is a great opportunity for us to promote next, uh, week two weeks from now's episode uh which we are going to be discussing the two other gender bent animes yes we uh, are season (laughs) in our winter 2023 trash fire episode because there were a number of shows that are worth talking about how bad they are but we did not want to burden this episode with them so they're getting their own episode next time so tune in for that best buds that's right um but yeah, I think that about wraps up um, Reborn to Master the Blade. And it's time for us to move into number nine, which is a little show called Campfire Cooking in Another word, World with My Absurd Skill. Now, uh, this is a fun one. It's uh, airing Tuesdays on Crunchyroll. It comes to us from MAPPA, who is busy as hell. Um, they might have done a couple shows you maybe heard of, like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, the later seasons of Attack on Titan, uh, a little thing called Chainsaw Man. The man is made Never of chainsaws. Uh, Yuri on Ice, Hajime no Ippo, just to name a few. Um, is is Chainsaw Man the um, the OSHA mascot? Yes, he is now. Um, oh, okay. But as far as this show is concerned, along with three other heroes, 27-year-old Mukuro Tsuyoshi is transported to a fantasy world to rescue a kingdom from a mysterious threat. However, it soon becomes clear that Tsuyoshi has been dragged into the summoning ritual by accident. His only skill turns out to be food menu, which allows him to open an interface where he can purchase and obtain food-related supermarket items from modern Japan. Unceremoniously booted out of the palace, Tsuyoshi sets about on his own into the new world. However, his ability to create delicious dishes unknown to this world soon pays dividends, even attracting the legendary wolf Fenrir. 
Fenrir is so taken in by the food that the creature immediately forms a contract with Tsuyoshi, becoming his familiar. Followed by this whimsical, mythical being, Tsuyoshi takes up a job as a merchant and adventurer, traveling and cooking up mouth-watering meals that never fail to amaze the inhabitants of this world. And I love this show. First of all, the the, the depictions of food in this show are mouth-watering. Like, the, the food looks good. Um, mm-hmm. I Everything he has cooked, I want to eat. Yeah. And the other thing I like about this show is it's just, it's comfy, it's easy to watch, like... There are two shows out this season that I I want to watch when I come home from work and I just want to turn my brain off. It's this one and it's another one that didn't make the list, which is farming in another farming life in another world. Just because they're so like, I don't need to worry about the stakes too much, right? So like, yeah, there's adventure and there's there are stakes to the show, but like they don't require me to put my brain to it that much, you know? It's like I can watch this show. And I understand the premise immediately. We're going to see him make some food. He's going to go through some troubles, maybe getting some ingredients. His giant wolf friend is going to cause a problem or two. Um, And it's all in all just going to be like just a fun, interesting little 20 minute romp that I can just watch, you know, when I'm too tired to watch anything else. So it's funny because I I recognize all of that with regards to the show. But the, the reason that I'm drawn to it is totally different. And I think that it is because this is maybe the best representation of like, you know, when you're watching something and you're like, fuck man, like, what are they doing? Like, this is a terrible plan. Like you need to get out of there. It's so obvious. Like this show circumvents all that because the main character does all of those things right off the bat. Like he is supposed to be like one of these, like, top heroes um but he recognizes that his skill is not useful for you know directly fighting and so he's like hey you know what this is not for me i'm sorry i was summoned here i i can't help you defeat the you know demon lord is it cool if i go on my way and you know the palace like gives him some money and sends him on his way and then he's like you know what i need to keep this like uh power a secret because otherwise you know i'm gonna get you know sold into slavery basically and just forced to produce food for some nation or something like that yeah like he he is very aware of the very real ramifications that his um powers have both in his like life and quality of life and and what they will mean for the socioeconomic you know things of the world and acts accordingly like he makes smart decisions and it's a pleasure to watch because most main characters don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I always, I just thought it was funny, like especially in the first episode where, when after, immediately after he's summoned, like he's summoned with a couple, a bunch of like fifteen or sixteen year old kids, and they're immediately like, "Yes, my lord, I will save the kingdom." And he's like, "Uh, hi, can I leave, please? Actually, I don't want to get involved with this." And it's like, I identify with you. I'm not here to save a kingdom. I want to get out of here. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I like how his skill works too. I it's really fun. Have, yeah. They've done a really good job of like balancing it and making it work, uh, well for the story. Yeah. And I really like in the most recent episode that I watched, um, they, he made Wagyu steak and it looked so good, dude. Like I was <laughs> like, I was like, man, I want to go make a steak, but I'm broke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely do not watch the show hungry. No, absolutely not. Um, 
but yeah, I love this show. Uh, love it. Yeah. Um, so I'd say for me, the cozy show is number eight, and that is The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten, airing Saturdays on Crunchyroll, coming to us from Project Number Nine, who gave us Higgy Hero after being rejected. I shaved and took in a high school runaway, and you never thought there, uh, and you thought there is never a girl online, and Love After World Domination, um, which is a pretty stacked lineup i like a lot all those shows yeah um mahiro shiina is worthy of her nickname angel she is a divine beauty loved by all and she excels in both academics and athletics shiina lives uh in an entirely different world from amane fujimiya uh, her next door neighbor. Despite living so close together, they have never spoken once. But their silence is broken when Fujimiya spots Sheena gloomily sitting on a swing amidst a heavy rainstorm and lends her his umbrella. I had a lot of preconceived notions for this show. I was very much expecting like a uh, helpful Fox Senku-san kind of show just based on the title. Um but I really like their dynamic together. Yeah, I mean, I've been, uh, I actually read the manga for this show, so this was not unexpected to me. Um, but it was, I actually am kind of uh, interested that you got so into it. Um, but I think one of the things, <laughs> like, yes, the story is a little silly. So, like, basically the premise is every awkward teenager's, teenage boy's dream where it's like, hey, like, what if I lived by myself and could do whatever I wanted and the cute girl next door would come help me clean my room and cook for me? Um, which is a very, it's a very silly way to boil down the plot. Um, and it, it is more than that, but it is also simultaneously exactly that. Um, but it still manages to be cute and funny and interesting, um, which is why I've stuck it with helps. the manga for so long. Yeah, it helps that the male main protagonist is not a shithead. Yes. Um, who, in these stories, they usually are. Um, but, like, if I had to pick, like, a protagonist he was most similar to, it's the one from um, Bunny Girl Senpai. He reminds me kind of of him. Yeah, he's definitely got that kind of energy where he's, like, like almost indifferent to the world um, in, in a lot of respects. Not in that in the way that, like, he's an asshole, but where it's, like... He accepts the world for what it is and his role in the world for what it is. And in, in a certain way, that that is kind of a little like edgelordy where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to, you know, it's 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 my place in the world. Why would I ever speak to this angel who, who's in my class? But like um, it's it's less cringy than just like that main character who's just an asshole, you know? Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, but yeah, I love this show. It's a good show. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good romance. Check it out, uh, and I that leads us nicely into uh, we're gonna take a little break from our list and and talk about some of the returning shows because they're really good this season. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't think there's a single returning show this season that isn't like being ex excitedly expected by somebody. Yeah, um, and I think what best to kick it off than with probably one of the biggest returning shows this season my hero academia season five yeah oh my god this show Six, five i think it's five it's five <laughs> um but like holy 
crap. Like, we talked about it a lot in our awards because it was this season has been so good. But, like, even after the the big fight is over, like, everything after it has continued to kind of hit at that same level, even though it's not, like, action. It's just the way the story is progressing is is really interesting. Like, some some stuff went down this season, and we are legitimately feeling the ramifications of it absolutely i think you know we're getting in this in this second core of the fifth season we are getting a lot of backstory we're getting a lot of um a lot of the kind of hidden behind the scenes stuff that happened during the first core that we didn't necessarily see in the moment while the action was happening and i think that is really interesting um we're also definitely getting the setup for how the next arc of the show is going to go um and, you know, like we kind of talked about when we last talked about the show is is the stakes are very high now. Um, the stakes for the show have definitely changed to be way more intense. So, like, you know, we've seen that death is on the table. We've seen that, um, you know, just because just because the heroes all gather together doesn't mean that things are going to go their way. Um, and I think that is introduced a different an interesting dynamic to the show that continues to really play well. Um, and I'm excited to keep watching it. Yeah, and and it is nice to see one of these kind of long-running shonens have, you know, actually have the story progress forward. And I think that's what we're getting with My Hero. So um, definitely one, if you haven't caught up, strong recommend if you're into the shonen stuff. Um, but this next one is a new discovery for us. Yeah. Um, and I, I've only watched the first few episodes of the first season, but I'm into it, and Justin's caught up, so he's going to tell you all about it. Yeah, so the next one we have is Tsurune Season 2, The Linking Shot. This is the season, second season of the Tsurune anime, which is um, it's a it's an anime about Kudo, which is the uh, Japanese art of archery. And basically, it centers around this kid, Minato, who was, um, you know, he was a really, he was like a, a prodigy at at, um, at Kyudo when he was younger. Um, but for mysterious reasons, he's decided, you know, when he moved into high school, he's not going to do it anymore. Um, and it's kind of his, his, the story of his journey back to uh, the art of Kyudo. Um and it's really interesting. It's just a really engaging story. Uh, for me, it's it's one of those sports anime where it lets me uh, experience and understand a new sport that I've never really, you know, been exposed to before. Like, I have done archery before, like standard, like Olympic archery with like a recurve bow. Um, and I've shot, you know, compound bows before. But this is an entirely different thing because Kudo is is really it is technically a bujutsu, which is like a, um, a a warrior art. But it is much more like these kind of warrior arts. They are on a spectrum between like the fully martial. So you have things like jujitsu. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have things that are more of a Zen art, which is things like Kudo, which is actually a practice that is. Um, is widely observed in temple ceremonies, like uh, traditional Shinto ceremonies in Japan will often have an archer fire an arrow as a ceremonial act. Um, 
So, and you get all of that through this uh, through this show, and I just really, really enjoy it. The characters are all interesting. You even have a character who is exactly like Bakugo, um, to the point where I think he might even be voiced by the same dude. I'm not sure. I should have looked it up, but I'm a hack and a fraud. Um, but yeah, if you have any interest in sports anime, I think you should definitely check out Tsurune. Um, the first season is on Crunchyroll. The OVA and the second season... Uh, the OVA is on both, and the second season is on High Dive. Um so check it out yeah uh speaking of sports anime and um bakugo clones uh up next we have blue lock um which has a bakugo clone in it um i mean all sports animes voice yeah um how does this show keep getting better um that's like my hero has stayed good blue lock has gotten better as it's gone on and from what i understand it it only gets better going forward but um you know if you haven't heard of it it's the hot new soccer anime and you got if you are a sports anime fan you have to get on the bandwagon this is i think easily going to be mentioned in the same breath as your haikus your hajime no epos like in the future i think we are seeing the making of a new sports anime titan yeah, absolutely. I mean, even, you know, if I enjoy it and I have no interest in anything that has to do with soccer, um, you can definitely appreciate it as just a sports anime, uh, because I do. Um, <clears throat> anyway, moving on to our next uh, anime, we have The Eminence in Shadow, which is continuing uh, from last season. It's uh, I think it's going up to 20 episodes total, um, so it's not going to be for around for the entirety of this season, but... Um, this was a sleeper for me because it, it seems on the surface to be kind of like a trash harem isekai anime, right? Um, but it manages to stay entertaining the entire time. Like, I did not expect to continue watching that one past my initial three that I was watching for um, for our last quarterly episode. But I decided on a whim to just, like, say, hey, you know what? Let me watch episode four. And then I watched episode four, and I was like, you know what, let me watch episode five. And it just kind of kept continuing that way, because the story uh, continues to be engaging and interesting and different. Um, and, like, the character, e even though he's kind of, like, he's a cringy edgelord doofus, right? Um, he never gets to the point where it's annoying. It's always either funny or interesting within the confines of the show. Um so, you know, if you've been looking for a kind of a goofy isekai, um, you know, something that's not like taking itself super seriously, but it still has a good story, maybe check out uh, Eminence and Shadow. It's on uh, High Dive. Yeah. Um, one show that I'm so excited is back because I, I honestly, I didn't think we were going to get a second season of this, but uh, Bofuri, uh, I think forget what the whole title is it's like i decided to max out my yeah. defense stat i don't like to be um, hurt so i maxed out my defense <laughs> yeah uh is back and uh what i think is interesting about bofuri and you can correct me if i'm wrong um but i think this is kind of one of the early isekai boom shows so like you had sword art online which like pretty much kicked off the modern isekai boom like god almost 10 years ago now mm -hmm. um and, and Bofuri was kind of like, you know, usually there's like a year or two and then you start getting like uh, the kind of deluge of shows. Like, for instance, we're saying with the um, like Otome game, like 
shows that are all coming out now based off uh, My Life as a Villainous. Yeah. Um, Bofuri was one of those initial reactions. And the kind of conceit of it was it was this just kind of a cute version of like, a girl who becomes overpowered because she just decides to max out her defense and it turns out that happened to be the best way of min-maxing in in this game. And this show, like, did not miss a beat coming back. Like, I have not watched in a long time. I was a little lost in the first episode trying to remember all the characters. But by the second episode, I was just, like, enthralled in the world again. It's cute. It's fun. The characters are great. It's it's just a nice kind of like isekai ish story. Yeah, and I think I think the the emphasis there is on isekai ish because it is debatable whether or not this is an actual isekai, um, or if it's just a story about a full dive video game. Um, but either way, the the story is great. I wish a video game like this existed. Um, and I love oh, that yeah. she has a giant turtle. He's so cute. Um, yeah, yeah, love this show. Did you I'm get so to glad the, it's back. The, the horror world yet no i just finished the episode before that um oh my god it's it's really enjoyable the horror world's great and one of the characters reactions to it is hysterical i do love that the one character who whenever she uses her brand new like super op power she turns into a little kid that's really fun oh yeah that's a good one (laughs) um but yeah this show's back if you didn't catch it the first time around now might be a good time to check it out it's a wonderful show um, but next up we have, uh, this don't toy with me, Miss Nagatoro second attack. Um, it, we, it's back. We talked a little bit about it in our anime NYC episode because we were lucky enough to catch the premiere of it at anime NYC. Um, but, uh, wow, this show, um, it, it's back. It's this, it's as good as it ever was. It's better in a lot of respects, I think. Uh, because it doesn't start off with that super hardcore bullying scene that almost threw me off of it in the first uh, season. Um, but I love one of the things that comes back. The things I love about this show is that it is a it is an ensemble cast. So like you get the like the this rotating cast of supporting characters, all of whom are really good and really funny and interesting. Um, and that continues into the season two. Um, and I'm really excited to continue watching it. And then to wrap up our returning shows, we have Tokyo Revengers. Uh, and I have a little bit of a bone to pick with this show. because Pick that bone. I, I love the story. Cat uh, brings up a good point in that um, the main character has not really had a whole lot of growth and development, which can make it tough to sit through. But I, I really enjoy all of the, like gang uh drama that is going on in the show but what i do not enjoy is the animation of this show i've talked about how you know bofuri continues to not miss a beat how uh my hero continues to be amazing how blue lock is getting better somehow tokyo revengers animation is getting worse oh god no um it's like not, they just can't animate action. They can't animate movement. Um, and it comes from Linden Films. And I was like, all right, I got I to gotta refresh my memory. Like, what have they done? And and they have kind of a spotted history because they, they did the Berserk remake, which kind of is known for being terrible. Um, and also Terraformers, which I've heard not good things about in terms of animation. 
but they've also done some really good work. So they did Cells at Work Code Black. They did Han Hanebado, um, which is a uh, badminton anime, which had incredibly well animated sweat. I don't, I don't <laughs> normally think of that as a compliment because it was super weird in the context of the show, but <laughs> it's super weird to hear you say well out loud, but I'm not here to kink shame you. <laughs> I mean, listen, it was well animated sweat. Okay. Um, they did Kataro Lives Alone, which I thought had a pretty interesting art style. Um, they did Other Side Picnic, which Ooh. had some moments. Other but Side Picnic. I, I, think it, I think it looked interesting. I love that show. Uh, and they did Bastard recently, um, Heavy Metal Fantasy, which I thought looked pretty good. Yeah. So they, they can animate well, and... It, the only thing I can think of is that they put their B team on it, which doesn't make any sense to me considering Tokyo, how big Tokyo Avengers was. Interesting. I'm as many of you know, I'm not caught up on Tokyo Avengers, so like I'm surprised to hear this because um, I do know that it is a beloved and really you know popular show. Um, I am gonna continue watching it at some point. I will probably use it uh, to build Gundams while I turn on the dub at some point, but like. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, so hopefully... This is like the one time I kind of want Mappa to come in and do the next season. Oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, just add more to their plate. Yeah, but anyway, getting back into our top ten list, we're going to pick it back up here with number seven. Uh, and this is a little anime called Epon Again, which don't let the title fool you like it fooled Best Boy Dan. It is not a sequel. That is the full <laughs> name of the title. Uh, in Japanese, it's Moipon. <laughs> I was adamant about keeping it off the list. I was like, this is season two. It says again. It, it was. You were super aggressive about it. You were like, this is a season two. Did you watch season one? And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, no, it is It is not a season two. It, it, the, the, it is a play on words um, for the Japanese term Moipon, which Ipon could mean one more time, or it also is a type of throw in judo, um, which this anime is about judo. Uh, it comes to us on Sundays from High Dive, uh, and the studio is Bakken Record, which has only done uh, Joran, Princess of Snow and Blood, which was bad. But don't let Quick that time fool out. you. What? Quick time out. Okay. When in your life did you ever think you would think of Joran, the Princess of Snow and Blood, ever again? <laughs> Honestly, I'm super surprised to see its name come up here because that show was bad, and I wanted it to be good because it was really pretty, but the story sucked. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they're doing their animation prowess on this. Yeah, because the story for this one does not suck. Uh, and it goes thusly. After one last tournament and an embarrassing loss in the final round, Michi decides to call it quits on the sport of judo. Between high school activities and entrance exams, she'll have no time to compete in the martial arts she loves most. But putting aside old hobbies is a normal part of growing up. Still, the love of judo lingers, and it comes back full force when she meets her new classmate Toa the girl who bested Michi in her final match. Toa wants to form a judo club at their school, but she'll need new members to get it up and running. United by their love of judo, they'll throw their passions into the ring together and score Ipon again. Um, I was super excited when I first heard about this show because judo, as many of you don't know because I've never talked about this before, is my third favorite Olympic sport. Um, behind breakdancing? Behind breakdancing and skateboarding. No, my second favorite Olympic sport is... Uh, modern pentathlon because you get to ski and shoot guns which is cool and my first favorite olympic sport is of course fencing because i did do fencing in high school in my own sports you're, anime art you're 
you're wrong. Why? The best Olympic sport is curling. Pass. I'll let I'll let you I'll let you keep that Canadian bullshit. Um, I just made an enemy of the entire country of Canada. Whatever. Um, oh, also a curling anime would be dope. A curling anime <laughs> would be dope. Anyway, continuing on Epon again. Um, this show I'm I was so excited for and I was nervous because I was like, listen, if this show doesn't get the animation of the actual judo right, it's gonna flop, right? Um, but it doesn't. The, <laughs> Pun not intended. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it doesn't. The animation of the the judo scenes in the show are done so realistically and so well. Like it really gets the kind of um, one of one of the things that like maybe it, it might not seem interesting to someone who hasn't like watched judo in the Olympics before. But like, but one of the most important parts of judo is like the jockeying for positions. So like, like mm-hmm. swatting each other's hands out of the way and trying to grab each other's uh, uh, dogi. Um, those are important parts of judo that it, it, it's a small thing, but the show does it really well. Um, and I got to say, yeah, the, and the major fight, like the major big match in episode three, they just went all out on the animation and it is so perfect. Yeah, I, I, surprisingly, I actually did a little bit of uh, judo in elementary school and and the way they animate it is exactly how it happens even down to like just the way their hands grip the fabric is really well done and on top of all that like you have all the elements of it of the judo team and all that like it's it's all all everything you'd expect from a sports anime like the judo club is like not gonna happen unless they get four members and then they pull the people out who don't want to do it anymore and and the person's mom doesn't want to sign the thing and they get them to do it and join the club it's yeah it's all of that but it's it's good and the characters like because part of any sports anime is the sport but then you also have the not sport and that's where a lot of sports animes can fail. And this one has that part covered in spades. Like absolutely. This is, they are, if you took the sports out of this, this would still be on the list, probably in the same slot, just as a slice of life. Yeah. Because at at the core of the show, it is a sports anime, but it is also a cute girls doing cute things anime. And it manages to Mm -hmm. balance those two things out really well, which is another thing I was worried about. I was like, oh, is this just going to end up being too much of the cute girls doing cute things? But no, it does the balance between these two kind of competing um, genres really well um, to where you don't ever get too deep in the weeds of the sport and you don't get too deep in the weeds of just their regular slice of life fun stuff, you know? Um, So definitely recommend this for anybody who's interested in sports anime anybody who's interested in the cute girls doing cute things side of it it'll have it'll have enough for everybody and it's just a really really great show if you're just interested in shows with amazing animation this one's here for you as well yeah i think this is probably the least offensive show on this list like i i would be hard pressed to find someone who would watch it and not enjoy something about it absolutely there's something for everybody yeah uh up next, we have number six, uh, Ninja Fusion, adventurers who <laughs> don't believe in humanity will save the world. It's Ningen uh, Fushin. Uh, Ninjushi Fungi. Yes. Um, <laughs> Tuesdays, I I have... Uh, here, I'm going to actually try and say it. I don't think I can. Ningen Fushin. <laughs> Ningen Fushin. Ninja Fushin. Sure. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tuesdays on Crunchyroll and comes to us from Geek Toys, who have done such beautiful works as Plunderer and Data Live 4, um, <laughs> which, like, did not... Again, this was one of those ones where I was like... And actually, kind of side tangent here. I had expectations of this season and they were all wrong i really thought this season was just full of like crappy isekai he was and just like boring things uh and there were some but there were way more shows that were way better than i expected and this is a perfect example of one of them yeah absolutely. so Veteran adventure Nick, mage Tiana, cleric Zem, and half-dragon Kuran, who's my favorite. She's great. Each show up <laughs> alone at a tavern, only to find themselves seated at the same table. As the night goes on, they take turns divulging their grievances and the hobbies they have taken up as means of coping. While their stories are utterly different, there is one common thread. Betrayal. Each of the four have been bitterly betrayed by someone they treasured, has developed a deep-seated distrust of humanity. But in addition to their similar worldviews, the four have one more commonality, a critical lack of funds. Realizing that things cannot continue as they are, they decide to form a party, rank up, and make as much money as possible to spend on their respective hobbies. What these disillusioned adventurers do not know, however, is that they will one day save the world from unfathomable peril. Uh, this is basically a show about like four adventurers with PTSD. Yeah. Who, like, come together <laughs> this is group um, therapy is what it is yeah it is on its surface like just sounds so boring to me but it is incredibly executed all of their backstories are really interesting and unique and the way their personalities are done are really well thought out and executed like their pain their idiosyncrasies that develop from their history uh really plays out on screen in in believable ways and they are damaged people and you understand and can empathize with them because everyone's been burned by someone before and it's a story about like that that time that you know you don't get burned and you kind of slowly have to learn to like trust again uh and and i'm really enjoying it yeah i think i think the reason why i love Koran so much is because she's been betrayed by someone that she loves and she turns to food and violence as a coping mechanism which is something i can identify <laughs> with in my own life yeah, and you're half dragon. And I'm also half dragon, which is something not a lot of people know about me. Um But no, I love this show. Um like you said, just the the way they 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 kind of portray the characters um and, and as they are as a result of their backstories is just done really well. Um I love the world of this show. It's interesting and fun. It's like it it it, it on one level it's kind of a cliche fantasy world, but it operates more like the real world than a lot of those do. Um, which I think is is really well done, and I just love this show. It's fun to watch. Um, I, I'm I'm excited. This is another one that I was not expecting to 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 be, you know, moving out of this, doing this episode, continuing to watch. But I'm definitely going to be. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Um, but next up on our list, we have number five, which is Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Uh, this comes to us uh, on Tuesdays on High Dive from Pine Jam, uh, who did Gamers, Glepnir, Tawawa on a Monday, and Do It Yourself, which is an incredible lineup of shows that are all completely I... different from each other. <laughs> Every time we talk about Pine Jam, I'm like shocked by how diverse the shows they have done are because those shows could not be more different from each other. I kind of really love Pine Jam for that, actually. I think Pine Jam might be my new favorite studio. Um, I mean, they do some good stuff. They do, and this is another one, because I actually read the manga for this uh, for this show, and I, I like it quite a bit. It's one of the... One of the first manga that I picked up in this kind of slice of life genre, um, it has been running for a long time and I've been really excited to keep up with it. Um, but the story goes, high school student Junta Shirishi has a simple goal to live a filling youth. However, achieving this goal appears to be harder than expected as everyone in his surroundings often failed to notice him due to his lack of presence. In fact, Chirishi's lack of presence is so severe that people think his seat in class is always empty and mistakenly assume that he often skips school. There is even a weird rumor spreading around in class claiming that those who successfully spot Chirishi will be blessed with good fortune for the day. So far, the only person who notices his existence is Nagisa Kubo, the girl seated next to him. Unfortunately for him, though, Kubo likes to tease him on a daily basis and often puts him into unprecedented and nerve-wracking situations. However, as Kubo's playful antics continue to involve the reluctant Shiriishi, he may soon discover that his youth might not be as boring as he initially thought. Um, And I love this show. I love all of the characters in this show. Um... The, the way the show is animated really kind of reflects the manga in a very interesting and good way. Like, the manga is one of those where it, it goes back and forth between, you know, drawing the characters as normal anime-style characters and then drawing them as, like, chibi-style characters when they're doing something silly or they're having a funny thought, you know? Um, and the anime does a really good job of reproducing that on the screen. Um now, uh, one thing I will say about this anime is that it is it is a hardcore slice of life. So if you are the type of person who does not enjoy watching a slice of life anime that is literally just the slice of somebody's life, you might not enjoy this show. But if you do like slice of life, you like a good light romance, um, you like a good comedy... Uh, this one might be for you. It has a lot of really funny moments. One of my favorites in the early part of this show is when Shirishi, who can get away with a lot of things because he, uh, you know, people can't see him very often. Like, like they're kind of downplaying it a little bit in the in the description, but he is literally invisible many times. So like the the my favorite is when uh, the automatic doors don't open. Yeah, for so him. like like automatic doors don't open for him. He's that invisible. So he thinks like. He sees a uh, a dirty magazine on the counter at a uh, at a convenience store, and he thinks, "Oh, well, no one can see me, so what's the harm in taking a look?" But it turns out that the the uh, the person working the counter is one of the very few people in the world who can actually see him, uh, and he has to kind of work his way out of that situation. And I thought that was a really funny uh, way to handle that part in the manga. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts, Best Boy Dan? Um. So I, I really enjoy this show. I think you're right in saying that it is definitely for the slice of life stands out there. Um, I think most notably to me that has to do with the pacing. Like 
it is it is paced like one of those kind of feel good shows like um Senko-san where it is about kind of being cozy um and not like rushing into it like it has jokes and they're funny but it definitely takes its time telling the stories and and living in the moments um i uh i i also really enjoy the animations of the chibi i'm glad to know that that is part of the manga because it is also one of my favorite parts of how the show is animated i think they do a really good job breaking between those two styles yeah i think it's definitely one of those things similar to um uh to the way komi-san where like it occasionally breaks and does different animation styles um it is a part of the manga in a very significant way and it is something that for people who read the manga like myself they had to get right because if they didn't it wouldn't feel faithful to the manga um and they did a fantastic job with it yeah um which leads us nicely into tomo-chan is a girl which is airing on Wednesdays on Crunchyroll. And this is one that I've been really excited about since we saw it at Anime NYC. We got two episodes when we watched it there. And finally, we've gotten to see like the third and so on. And man, this show is awesome. So good. I love this show. <laughs> uh, it comes to us from Le Deuce, who gave us Maggi, uh, Magi, uh, Oh Ma- Maidens in Your Savage Season, which is a great show and everyone should watch and Fate Grand Order. Tomo Aizawa and Junichiro Jun Kubato uh, are tightest bros you would ever see. They roughhouse and spar, but uh, through thick and thin, they've got each other's back. Yet there's one small problem. Tomo is in love with Jun. Since she is young, tomboyish Tomo has just been another one of the guys. Due to his extremely muscle brain nature, June does not notice any of her advances, not even when she explicitly confesses. Uh, to add insult to injury, for the longest time, he did not even realize she was a girl. Will Tomo ever be able to catch June's eye and escape the infamous bro zone? Um, I think one of my favorite parts of this is that it's basically like the story from the Sundere's perspective <laughs> kind of in a way yeah i can see that um right yeah. like she like he always does something stupid and then she always like beats the crap out of him which is like a very like Sundere dynamic but she's the protagonist yeah um it, it's like it does that like kind of misinterpretation mistake comedy so well right like when it talks about how like she confesses her love and it's like very much one of those scenes where she's like you know it's like uh uh, the flower petals are like falling and she's like june i love you and he's like oh man bro i love you too (laughs) yeah i think this show i I, you know i read the manga for it i believe you did as well um I've been I've been waiting for it to come out for a long time and it has delivered 100%. Um I think it, this is also one of the first uh we're getting to the point in the list where uh memes uh, of the anime are becoming very prevalent and one of my favorite has been the scene where she the where Carol keeps walking up to Tomo and just going baka and then just walking away. Um 
that is one of my favorite parts of the manga, and they, <laughs> they animated it so well. It was hilarious. Yeah, I, I also really enjoy the voice actor for uh, Tomo. Like, I think she is really knocking out of the park with that character. She does, and we also get a hot tomboy mom, which, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> listen, I am always into. Um, so this show is... I think if you like a romance, you want something unconventional, you're into tomboys, you like uh, you like something that kind of takes gender roles and flips them on their head, um, this is a fun one. This is a good one. Um, I've read the manga. If they stay true to the manga, it's going to be a good show. Yeah. Um, um, but JK Rowling, stay away. Everyone else, come check out some Tomotron. Exactly. Um, but next up, we're going to take a very slight break before we hit the top three. Uh, we're going to talk, we're going to do a little section we call Interesting Alternatives. Um, these are a couple of shows that didn't make the top 10 list, but they are doing interesting things within their genre and within, you know, anime as a whole um, that are worth saying a couple of words about. It might be worth checking out. Um, and it's interesting because a number of these on that did, they're on this list, they didn't make the top 10, but they are shows that I am absolutely going to continue to watch. Um and so the first one we have on this list is Chillin' in My 30s After Getting Fired from the Demon King's Army, uh, which is going to be Saturdays on Crunchyroll, comes to us from Encourage Films, basically follows the plot of this guy. He's, um, you know, he's a demon, which in this uh, in this uh, show, the, de- the thing that separates demons from humans is that demons can use magic and humans cannot. Um, and he is a demon that cannot use magic, uh, which... To the rest of us who have common sense would say, oh, well, that means he's a human. But obviously in the, the show, he doesn't figure that out until later. Um, and so basically the the Demon King kind of passes away and it, the, the torch is passed to his son, who's a shithead. And he immediately fires the main character um, who goes to, you know, he goes and he ends up in this human settlement. He ends up becoming an adventurer, discovering that he is, in fact, not a demon. He is a human. Um And it's kind of like his adventure of bringing those two worlds together. And it's really interesting and fun. Um, It's a, it's a, it's another evolution of this kind of genre that we're seeing where it's, it focuses around um, a character who has been kicked out of either the, you know, the demon King's army or the, the hero's party, which we've even already had one of those on this list already with Ningen Fushin, um, which centers around, you know, a character who's kicked out of his party um, it's a thing that's happening more and more in anime lately. Um, and I think this is a really good evolution of that kind of uh, subgenre. So the entire time you were talking, I was replacing Demon's King Army with Elon Musk's Twitter. Oh, God. Yeah, chilling in my 30s and after it... getting fired from Elon Musk's Twitter. <laughs> Which everything you've described in relation to the show totally works. I would watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason that you can only uh, find us on instagram now um yeah uh so next show we have up is spy classroom and that is on uh thursdays on high dive from studio feel um i think this is also a pretty good time to discuss how many shows on this list are from high dive because it's 
kind of shockingly close to 50-50 high dive uh, crunchy roll. It is. And um, along those lines, it's funny because, um, you know, this time, this season specifically has been a flip where all of the, like, most of the trash shows that are running this season are actually on Crunchyroll, not High Dive. Yes, that is true. There's only one of them is on High Dive, and I think that's really interesting. And one is on YouTube. <laughs> tune in tune in to find out what that trash Guys, is. Guys, listen. Holy crap. I don't, I don't mean to oversell this, but our episode, our next episode about the winter 2023 trash is going to be phenomenal. You guys have to tune in. Please do not yeah. miss it. Um, but yeah, so Spy Classroom's on a high dive, and this one's interesting because it starts off, like, very much of a kind of, like, assassination classroom sort of vibes. Um, it's, it's about these kind of, like, washed out, um, spies who kind of get pulled together as this ragtag group and essentially to be sent on a suicide mission. Um, and they're trained by the world's greatest spy. Um, and so he like tries to train them by like having them try to kill him. And, and you think that's what it's going to be all about, but then they kind of just get right into the mission. So it ends up kind of becoming this story about this, family of spies i i don't know or have ever heard of that before um anyway yeah maybe like a spy family you could call it i don't know maybe there'd be an um, x in there somewhere yeah that's too much yeah. um no one would ever buy but that but yeah it, it's uh it's it's interesting it's kind of takes what your expectations are it subverts them uh there's some good action um it it does all the spy stuff really well it does um one thing i really like about this show is that it handles misdirection in a very interesting way that doesn't make it feel like the show lied to you right mm -hmm. so like when when it has its misdirects, it'll go back and say, hey, here's what was actually happening. But it doesn't feel like a lot of times there's a show that'll be like, hey, this thing that you never could have seen coming was happening completely off screen. And haha, it's the key to winning. But like it'll show like, hey, like these are the clues that were left for you. Um, you you wouldn't have been able to figure it out just on the clues alone. Like it, it's not like that. We're not saying it's not a misdirect. It is a misdirection, but it is handled in a way that doesn't make you feel like a dum dum, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy the show and I'm going to keep watching it uh, as, as, as much as I have the time for, even though it didn't make our top 10, it is interesting enough that we're talking about it now. Mm -hmm. um, the next show we have is Endo and Kobayashi Live, the latest on Sundere villainous Lizolette. Um, this one comes to us on Sundays on High Dive from Tezuka Productions. It basically, this is kind of starts out as your standard Otome game anime but there's a difference so the people from this otome game they're not trapped inside the game but rather they are outside the game playing the game and the people in the game can hear them so basically they're narrating the game and the people inside the game can hear it and they're trying to they're basically what they're trying to do is trying to steer the characters away from a bad ending um that happens in the game um, it's a really interesting twist on the Otome game genre. Um, it's not technically an isekai. They, 
I love that the way that they make it work in the game of like, oh yeah, some of these characters have like special abilities where they can hear the gods talk. Yeah, exactly. And the gods are the people playing the game. Um, and there's also like a budding romance out there. Um, I will, I'll be entirely honest with you. It's not at the top of my list for things that I'm going to keep up with, but it is definitely something that given the time to do so, I would keep an eye on just because it's doing an interesting enough thing with the genre that it might become relevant in the future. Yeah. And, and we talked earlier about how, um, my life as a villainess is like a perfect example of like something that was really popular a couple of years ago and now we're starting to see the trickle of of those style shows come in and this is absolutely one of them but so far of the ones released i think by far the most unique yeah definitely doing different things um and then to round out our list of kind of uh interesting alternatives out there we have saving eighty thousand gold in another world for my retirement which it just sounded like the horrors of capitalism, the anime to me at first, um, but turned out to be, I think, probably the most unique of our interesting alternatives. Um, that's coming to us on Sundays on Crunchyroll from Felix Film. And even into the first episode, I was like, okay, I, I kind of see where this is going. And then Best Boy Justin was like, no, you got to watch episode two. Yeah, if you stop uh, at episode one, you will not understand why this is on our list of interesting alternatives. Yeah, because it's, like, in the best case scenario after episode one, you're like, okay, so she can control when she isekais, right? She can jump between worlds, um, which is, like, kind of interesting. It's been done in other ways before, but, like, she kind of has an OP version of it. Um, but then episode two rolls around and you're like, oh, you are going about this in not the way I expected. Yeah. Basically, her, her isekai philosophy, without giving away too much, is stay strapped or get clapped. And I appreciate yeah. it. And I think that's where I kind of want to leave it on that one, just with just enough intrigue for maybe you to go check it out. Yeah. Also, somebody clip out me saying stay strapped or get clapped because it sounds cool. Maybe we'll just make that <laughs> like it'll be like -na 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 -na. stay strapped or get clapped. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but anyway, moving back into our list, we've come to our top three. These are the top three shows for Woo! this season that you should be watching. And coming and in at number three, these are all fantastic. I, I, you know, without without giving away too much about my personal life, I had am not going to have a whole lot of time in the coming month to watch shows. These three are shows that I'm absolutely going to keep up on. And coming in at number three, we have Buddy Daddies, which is going to be airing on Fridays on Crunchyroll. Comes to us from PA Works, who did Angel Beats, another The Aquatope on White Sand, which has a special place in my heart, Apare Ranman, and Akiba Maid War, which has a special place in another part of my body. Um, um. Quick side tangent, PA Works, probably the only ones close to Pine Jam with as eclectic of a, a combination of shows. Absolutely. You've got everything there from idol shows to murder mysteries to uh, to <laughs> Yuri Romance, and then we have Occupy Maid War. Uh, yeah, well, and isn't Apari Maranman like a crazy like Wild West adventure? I actually don't know anything about that show. I'm pretty sure that's what that one is. I'll take your word for it. Um, 
But yeah, so as far as Buddy Daddies is concerned, the story follows Kazuki Kurusu, a criminal contractor and coordinator who lives with his best friend Rei Sua, a professional assassin who has been raised from childhood to be a contract killer. Kazuki is outgoing and loves gambling and women, while Rei is a man of few words who spends his time off playing video games. I feel you, brother. Uh, one day, the two buddies end up caring for Miri Unasaka, a four-year-old girl whose father is a mafia boss, after Miri accidentally wanders into a firefight in a hotel while looking for her father. Um, I love this show. It is basically the way the way I described it to Best Boy Jamie uh, when I was telling him about it was that it is kind of like if Spy Family was grittier, you know? You still have the very yeah, cute, a little bit that you still have the very cute daughter character, but like the two, like whereas like you have assassination and spy work comes into Spy Family, it isn't done in such a like gory degree. It is it is very much a Quentin Tarantino esque level of of like violence that you get in Buddy Daddies, and I think that is an interesting way to handle this type of show. To me, it is a combination of. Two Men and a Baby, and, um, oh, God, oh, I just had it a second ago. Um, oh, Shoot 'em Up, the Clive Owen movie. Oh, yeah, 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 um, okay, okay, I dig it. Which, if you haven't seen, is, like, one of my favorite action movies of all time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I love these characters because they are, like, the people who should absolutely never be watching a child, and then they have one of the most adorable must protect characters of the whole season and probably 2023 um it is going to be a very but, close competition for most must protect between her and between shira Ishii's little brother from kubo won't let me be invisible yeah but this character you get every episode yeah true um and it, like the action is top notch the comedy is top notch um it's it is this show really really caught me off guard because it it seemed silly but it is it is just entertaining af yeah the show is really good um the story is compelling the gunplay is fun the animation is done really well and of course miri is super cute um, which is what you want to have out of a show like this um i wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is um, but now suddenly it has made it into the top three and I'm going to be paying attention to it. So there's that. Yeah. Um, for our penultimate option for y'all, we have at number two, the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. Yes. Again, a title that... I'm, like, reading it as we're preparing for this season, and I'm like, I do not want to watch this show. He wasn't going to watch it, and uh, then I was like, Dan, you need to watch this show, and if you don't watch this show, I'm going <laughs> to fight you because the show is so good. And then it comes to us Wednesdays uh, on Crunchyroll from Dio Medea, who gave us um, the best show ever, Domestic Girlfriend. Play the OP! <laughs> Ahiro no Sora uh, and Kantai Collection. Um, Justin's three favorite shows ever. Yes, I've never liked a show more than these three, these three shows. <laughs> um, I, You know what? I feel like that's not so far off. <laughs> Honestly, I did like all three of these shows. Um, 
despite her supposed ineptitude with regular magic, Princess Anisphia. No, it is not Anisphia. <laughs> Anisphia <laughs> defies the aristocracy's ex- expectations. <laughs> by developing magicology, a unique magical theory based on memories from her past life. One day, she witnesses the brilliant noblewoman, Euphilia, unjustly stripped of her title as the kingdom's next monarch. That's when Anus Fischl um, <laughs> concocts a plan to help Euphilia regain her good name, which somehow involves them living together, researching magic. Uh, little do these two ladies know, however, that their chance encounter will not only alter their futures, but those of the kingdom and the entire world. Um... I gotta say this because it doesn't come across in the description, but y'all, this is a Yuri show. It is a Yuri Isekai, and I love it. Yeah, it it is it is those things. Um but it is it just I, I like I don't even know necessarily like what stands out about it that's like so crazy and so different but just it's an accumulation of all of the parts together just make this really entertaining piece of work that kind of subverts your expectations at at every turn like um the character comes into this world they immediately decline um their birthright they want like her one desire because she does not have magic in this world of um, noble people who all have magic, which I also really dislike in anime. This kind of like class gatekeeping of magic, yeah, because it happens a lot. It's because it's a thing um, in video games, and that kind of finds its way in anime in weird ways. Yeah, it's weird, but she doesn't have this, and so she spends her whole life like trying to make like brooms that can fly and things like that. And she is uh, again this the voice actress is definitely going to be up for like award nominations because yeah. the, she brings so much life to that character and just the way in which she interacts with the world and like her brother, her father, the her um, you know Yuri. Uh, cohort like all all of their interactions are so good and so fun and interesting and creative yeah i listen this show i again when i was reading the title i was like uh it's not it doesn't seem like it's gonna be a thing i'm into and i watched the first episode and like i think like maybe Five minutes before the first episode was over, I was texting Dan, like, Dan, you need to watch this show. It's amazing. You're, it's not what you expect. You have to watch it. Um, and I think one of the things that really pulls it together for me is it makes it, – it, it really does a good job of forcing an emotional impact. So, like, in the moments where – like, OK, so when Euphelia is betrayed, I'm not going to give away anything about what happens. But like when Euphelia is betrayed, you feel that emotionally. Right. And mm-hmm. Anisphia kind of diffuses that intense emotion with her kind of silly, good natured doofusness. Right. Um, I actually like when I was watching the show initially, I had to Google whether or not it was the same voice actress of Chisato from uh, from Licorice Recoil because they both have that same kind of quality. Ah. It's not. It's not yeah. the same voice actress, but they do sound similar. Um, yeah. 
and but they bring they bring a very similar life to the characters. Yeah, they have that kind of energy. Um, and this show it, it capitalizes on that in a really fantastic way. And it's the show. This is the show that I have been forcing myself to not watch episode four because I had other shows that I needed to watch for this episode of the podcast. And now that this episode of the podcast is over, I'm going to be watching every single episode of this show the day it releases. Yeah, this show was like made for Best Boy Justin. It really was. Um, It's this show and it's the show that's coming up soon. That's about the Otome game, but the, the girl wants to get with the villainess and not the, the main character. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Um, anything else on this show? Best Boy? No, I think, you know, this is one of those ones that, like, I think taught me a very valuable lesson of do not judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge Lethal Weapon by Danny Glover. <laughs> Best Boy Justin, I will do you not elaborate. To bring us home with the number one anime of winter 2023 i absolutely will that is number one the top anime you should be watching in winter 2023 is trigun stampede and if you've known any if you've been listening to us talk about this show since we watched the premiere at anime nyc this is not a surprise to you because this show it has is highly anticipated and it delivers um it comes to us on saturdays from crunchy rolls um, it, it comes to us from Studio Orange, who, as we spoke about earlier, did B-Stars. And before we talk about the animation, let's go ahead and get a little synopsis. Uh, Vash the Stampede's a joyful gunslinging pacifist. So why does he have a six, uh, six million double dollar bounty on his head? That's what's puzzling rookie reporter Meryl Strife and her jaded veteran partner when looking into the vigilante only to find someone who hates blood. But their investigation turns out to uncover something heinous. His evil twin brother, Millions Knives. Um, let's let's tackle the elephant in the room first off. And that is going to be... Roberto the, De Niro. Roberto De Niro, who's my favorite <laughs> character in this show. No. Um, He's great. He is great. There are some thoughts about the absence of Millie. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's talk about the animation. Um, the animation represents what I... It, it might be hyperbolic of me to say, but I think is an evolution in what CG anime is going to look like going forward. Because this is, in my esteem, one of the first shows to actually do a full CGI anime well. Because it doesn't look bad. It looks good. It doesn't look like you would traditionally think of an anime but it doesn't look bad. What are your thoughts For on the sure. animation? It, I I think that typically when you think of like fully CG'd animes, right? Like, and, and we're not talking about like Demon Slayer, which is like a really great, you know, Ufotable is really good at blending the two together. Yeah. This is like fully CG. And typically in the past, um, you have this kind of weird uncanny valley where it's like my brain sees the style is anime, but the movement is, is not quite right. Yeah. It feels uncanny. And they've sidestepped that by stylizing, right? It's to me, it's kind of similar to the way that people can make, um, 
you know, games feel more timeless by doing like cell shading, right? Yeah. Like it's it's not, you know, quite you know, graphically accurate, but it it evokes the thing you're trying to get. And this show has found that art style which is kind of like you can see that it is inspired by anime, but it is its own kind of medium, really. Yeah. I think one of the one of the, the important things that Studio Orange does to bridge the uncanny valley is something I was talking about with B Stars, which is how well they do facial expressions. And one of the things that we we heard about in the um in the panel discussion for this anime was that they put together a reference book of over a hundred facial expressions for all of the characters in the show um, to make the characters feel more lifelike, because that is is something that's so important when we're dealing with this kind of art style that is still coming into its own. Um, And it is like, because when you think about it, the regular way anime is, is also kind of a, a shock for people who haven't viewed anime before. Right. So this is in and of itself, a new, almost a new media for animation and in order to bridge that kind of gap you need something that feels familiar and the thing in this show is the facial expressions for me at least and i think for a lot of the people who are watching this show whether it's for the first time or people who are familiar with trigun from the original run yeah and and i think that leads really nicely into the original Trigun. I'm yeah. a huge fan. Oh yeah. Um, that was like one of the shows, like I had to stay up and watch, um, you know, late at night and, and it holds a special place in my heart. I love the story. I understand that it is not based off the manga, the way that this one is. Um, and you know, I'm watching it with best person cat and she keeps asking me questions. She's like, you know, uh, did this happen with this character? And I'll be like, no, this character is completely new. I've, I've never seen them before. Yep. Um, and like, there are some things that, that translate between the two, but I honestly think that it's really best to just think of them as two completely different properties altogether. Um, and I think you will get a lot more enjoyment out of this one than, than trying to compare it to the original. Um, because, it just almost right off the bat, it takes a completely different approach to the story. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're looking and, for, a and sh- I love it. I think it's still really fucking well done. Yeah. I think if you're looking for a shot for shot remake of the original Trigun, you need to reassess because first of all, that wouldn't be entertaining. We already have Trigun. Um, I think this is Trigun for a new generation, right? And it's Trigun with the benefit of the show being made after the manga has ended. So they know from the beginning where the show is headed. And I think that's important. And I don't think that takes anything away from the original Trigun. Because the original Trigun is something that is always going to be in my heart. Something that I will will always count among my favorite shows. Um, but that being said, I don't think that just because I love the original Trigun so much, that doesn't mean that I can't appreciate what this show is for in for itself. Now, there are some things that hardcore Trigun fans are going to notice, and one of the most important ones is something I alluded to earlier, 
That is that Millie is not in the show, at least not yet. I don't know whether or not she's coming. They, I hope she shows up at some point. They have made some allusions to the fact that some old characters are going to be coming back, whether or not they're present in the initial couple episodes. So that, you know, I hope she'll be back. But Millie... How far did you get into it? I have seen the first four episodes. Um, okay, so so you've seen uh, What's-His-Face come back? No, that happens in episode four. Five, I believe, which I haven't seen yet. Oh yeah, yeah. But you you get yes. all your favorite characters back for sure, for the most part. Really at at this point, and in, the other thing that people take umbrage with is like, oh, but in the in the original one, Millie uh, Merrill was an insurance adjuster, and in this one, she's a reporter. And it's like, did that really matter to you in the original? Like, that's my honest question. If that's your criticism of the show, did you really care that she was an insurance adjuster when you first watched this I, show? Do you even know what I an can't insurance get into adjuster this show was? Because I can't get into this show because of the lack of journalistic realism. Exactly. And I love Roberto De Niro. He's a hilarious oh, character. Yeah. Um, He's great. He brings, like, this really, like, wonderful, like, level-headedness, right? Like, in terms of the kind of, like, three main characters in the beginning, you have Vash, you have... Um, what's her face and you have Roberto De Niro and like he is just so different than the other ones that the way they play off him is great because whenever you have comedy in a group setting it always works better when you have a straight man to play off of yeah and I think one of one of the things that kind of leads into one of the things I do really appreciate about this show is like no it is not a shot for shot remake it is doing things differently but it is still bringing back things about the show that you love so like one of the earlier villains from this show which you see it in the in the in the um you know in the the trailer so it's not a spoiler um is the nebraska family and when they first appeared in the show i was like Oh my God, it's them. I remember them from Trigun. And they do such a good job of giving them a new life within this new show. And I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most about the show is seeing not necessarily exactly what we saw in Trigun, the first, you know, series, but rather what this show does with those elements of that original series that do come back because they are an important part of the show, but are in a different kind of like uh, that are being seen through a different lens. Now that we know where the manga is going with the story. Um, And that's something that I'm really looking forward to. I'm also really looking forward to just seeing more of Vash because like one of the things that the internet has been obsessed with is they definitely kind of turned Vash into a little bit of a heartthrob. He's got like kind of this baby face thing going on. He's like, he's like a sad, yeah, he's like a sad boy, baby face heartthrob now. And I kind of really fucking dig it. Um, And I'm not willing to explore why. Yeah, I I think they make him more of a character and less of a joke in this one. Yeah. Um, And and it's also hard because, like, we keep comparing it to the other one. But, like, even if the original did exist, this would still be number one on our list, I think is pretty safe to say. Because everything aside, this is a great show. Like the animation is on point the story is really intriguing 
Um, they have done a really good job of opening the world up quicker. Yeah. I think one of my issues with the original is that it is very monster of the week for like the first half of it. It, it is. It's something that I think like Cowboy Bebop uh can suffer with a little bit too in just that like the story took a long time to get going and then climax is really fast in the end yeah um, one of the things that life one of, <laughs> one of the, i'm gonna gloss on that one one of the <laughs> one, one of the things that this iteration of trigon does really well is introducing knives as a villain very early on because in the original run of trigon like you were saying is very much monster of the week um knives kind of exists but you don't understand really in any capacity until like halfway through the show in this show from the jump knives is portrayed as he is the big bad evil guy he is the bad guy of the show and even though he's not in every episode you can see like his little puppet strings behind the scenes right um and i feel like that is can we also talk about his and like his reveal in the show his reveal in the show is probably one of the most amazingly animated moments of the season so far of any show the only thing i can compare it to is darth vader's reveal in rogue one where you took arguably one of the best villains ever and somehow managed to make them more terrifying and and that's exactly what they do with like his like modern day entrance in this show. Like you're like immediately you understand why he is the big bad and yeah. you immediately are terrified of him. And I think also the show does a good job of of managing emotional weight. So like in the first episode with the kind of bad when when you get the immediate backstory, which in the original Trigon doesn't happen right away. Um you kind of understand the emotional impact of the things that Vash has gone through prior to, you know, when we first meet him as he is in the story today. Um, And I think that is really well done. And it it also plays a role in establishing Knives as the bad guy. And also the voice actor for Knives is perfect. I wouldn't have anybody else. Mm. He has such a suitably evil voice. I love it. Uh, the only other person would be Russian Sukuna. Yeah, that's the oh my god, Russian Sukuna. <laughs> that's the only other person I would want. Um, but yeah, all in all, Trigun Stampede. Listen, if you've been not giving it a chance for whatever reason, I'm not going to judge you. But like you, take this as your gentle nudge to just watch two episodes. And if you don't yeah, like it after two if, episodes then it's not for you and that's okay but yeah give it a shot you should absolutely give it a try it's it's worth it um it's really it's number one for a reason yeah absolutely absolutely i don't think uh, i don't know i don't i don't think i have anything left to say the the show is fantastic uh do you have anywhere else best boy dan or do you want to leave it here no, I think that's it. I think the the only thing uh, I have to say is come back next time to uh, 
hear a little bit about um, some of some of the worst shows from the season. <laughs> That's right. You heard him, Best Buds. Next time, uh, in two weeks from now, we're going to be releasing an episode about the dumpster fires of tw- uh, winter 2023. It's going to be one you don't want to miss. We've got some exciting things to talk about. Um, but, uh, you know, in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. Let us know which shows you're watching this season. Let us know what you think about the Trigun remake. You know, are you in for the Yuri anime of the season? Um, you know, what do you think about our what what we didn't put on the list? Is there something we missed that you that you think is the best show ever? Uh, you can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. And you know what? If you like what we're doing here, if you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it. Leave us a review on your, your podcast supplier of choice. It helps us out with the algorithm, which I'm told is important. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. All right. See you all next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.